Okay, well, here we are for another episode of The Space. It's actually uh, part one of three, uh, where we're going to be talking about what are you watching, what are you listening to, and what are you reading. Certainly during the time of the pandemic, people are watching more television, more series, more movies um, as they're stuck at home. So we hope these three episodes will um, give some people some ideas of what they can watch um, and uh, our recommendations of what we think is worth watching. So over to you, Cam. What are you watching? Well, I just got uh, tuned into a Netflix series. It's had three seasons. I think it started 2018. Uh, It's called Atypical. And it's the coming-of-age series about an 18-year-old uh, autistic boy uh, and his life at high school, uh, his parents, and family life for, that support him. And, you know, it's it's very funny, very clever, very witty. And, like, everybody in the show, even if they have someone doing a walk-on or whatever, everyone in the show is great. It's really – it's a – Great ensemble cast. Stars uh, Michael Rappaport, who people might remember from True Romance and Higher Learning. And he plays the father of the autistic boy. And um, and Jennifer Jason Leigh plays the mother from a single white hit, uh, female, Fast Times, Rich Pound High. And then the young boy, Keir Gilchrist, uh, is a Canadian actor. Uh, only thing I could find out that he's done before was he was in a... Um, a thriller with James Caan called The Good Neighbor. But anyways, just very funny, very witty, uh, very poignant. So what? who would this appeal to, this show? I think, you know, um, I think it appeals to millennials, uh, anyone that, uh, you know, enjoys a, a, a good story. As I say, it's um, reminds me a lot of uh, Kim's convenience in the sense that it's well-written. It has a sitcom feel to it. But it's also, it deals with some pretty serious issues. Of course, mm-hmm. in this case, the boy being autistic. But also, um, part of his autism is that he's very straightforward and very honest. And it's how people relate to um, that sort of form of directness. Um, and again, just a, a great a great cast. And uh, Seth Gordon uh, is a comedy director and sure. writer behind Modern Family and Horrible Bosses. He, he produces it. And uh, yeah, I just think it's one of the better things on TV. Uh, it's, as I say, three seasons on Netflix with the fourth and final season coming up next year. Great. Well, for me, I, the big surprise for me is a, a Netflix series that I, I started watching called Kingdom. And it's about MMA fighting, something I have absolutely no interest in and, and very little knowledge about. But as I was surfing through trying to find something to watch, I, I picked up on the trailer. They just released season three. And I watched the trailer and I thought, well, that sounds somewhat interesting. So I started watching it. And I have to say, within the first, by the end of the first episode, I was hooked. Um, you know, again, it's a very. It's not a subject um, that I'm particularly knowledgeable about or, or, as I say, that interested in, but the acting and the storyline was absolutely fantastic. And tell Um, me, what does MMA stand for again? Mixed Martial Arts uh, Fighting. So it's like Ultimate Fighting. That's right. And it really centers around the story of a family um, that are in the business of MMA fighting. Uh, the Kalina family, um, the, the father of the family is Alvi Kalino, is uh, played by Frank Grillo. And he's a past M- MMA champion turned coach who runs 
um, uh, gym called Navy Street, which was the original name of the series and later changed to Kingdom. Um, and it's really about his running of this, uh, this gym and trying to maintain a very dysfunctional family. But what, I, what really sold me on the show was the acting performance of Jonathan Tucker. And I'm not that familiar with Jonathan Tucker as an actor, but he was mesmerizing. I mean, he stole the show. He, he was a Shakespearean tragic figure, um, infinitely human, um, infinitely compassionate, flawed beyond belief, uh, but his performance is riveting. I, you know, just for that, I would I would highly recommend it, and I would give that show, a, you know, a nine out of ten in terms of the writing and in terms of the acting. It really was, absolutely, it really is absolutely fantastic. Now the show was only scheduled to have three seasons, but apparently um, during the period of COVID, there's been increased interest in the show. And so we may actually see another um, another season emerging because the show has become that popular, but highly recommended. Yeah, great show. Now, I'm not that much into the Ultimate Fighting um, Championships, nor do I follow it. Would it be something that you have to be a fan of to watch? No, I don't think the fighting is central to the, the story. The story is really about a, a dysfunctional family um, who are all involved in the business to, to one degree or another. It's really a story about the Kalina family, Alvi Kalina, who is the father, and his relationship with his two sons, Jay Kalina and Nate Kalina. So it's really about family. It's not really about MMA fighting, although that is the, you know, the the storyline that runs through it. And they are all MMA fighters, um, but it it is it you know it has elements of um, uh, you know as I say deep deep tragedy, um, and and family and dysfunctional families and and it it really is uh, it's riveting. It's, I, I will say there is, um, uh, you know, you have to be, um, I guess there's an explicit warning on the show. It is, it is, um, there's a lot of sexual content um, in the show and a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs and that kind of thing. But I don't think it was overdone. It was really in the context, again, of the family and the dysfunction that exists within the family. Um, but yeah, a terrific, terrific show. Well worth a watch. And I have another recommendation, and it's in the documentary end of things, and that is uh, The Long Strange Trip, The Untold Story of the Grateful Dead, which is a six-part documentary series, I think only now available on Amazon. I don't believe it's available on Netflix yet. It is absolutely fantastic. I would say the best music doc I've ever watched. It was directed by Amir Bar-Liv, um, and as a running time about four hours, Martin Scorsese, Scorsese was the one of the executive producers, um, as well as some of the members of the Grateful Dead. But it, it is such a fantastic story. It begins right in the early days with Jerry Garcia um, and his jug bands prior to the Grateful Dead. It ties in the culture of that period of time. You know, Ken Kesey, um, uh, Timothy Leary, uh, Neil Cassidy, uh, the the electric Kool-Aid acid test. It's such a cultural film, so it goes beyond most music documentaries. Um, it was nominated for a Grammy Award for the Best Music Film uh, when it came out. 
uh, with the soundtrack released in uh, 2017. It really had a limited release, so it's it's kind of hard to get to. It's hard to find. It only had a week-long release in New York and Los Angeles in 2017 and had a one-night nationwide screening uh, in May 2017. So it hasn't really, and I guess this was on purpose, Was to, I don't know why they just didn't release it, but um, again, an unbelievable film from a cultural standpoint as well as from a music standpoint. So if you're a Grateful Dead fan and you like their music, you're going to love the film. But if you're at all interested in pop culture and music culture, uh, it is an incredible film to watch. I mean, I don't think there was any band that had a bigger cultural influence than The Grateful Dead. No, and you know, I saw one on, um, on Bob Weir of The Grateful Dead. And I think that's on Netflix and Crave. I think it's called The Other One. But, uh, you know, they, they've got a fascinating story. And, and the fact that Martin Scorsese is involved is great because, you know, since the band film, The Last Waltz, which is, you know, perhaps one of the great concert films I've ever done. He's done a lot of his stuff. He's, you know, produced documentaries on George Harrison, uh, Bob Dylan. Apparently he's got one coming up or coming out in the next year or so about the New York uh, City alternative music and punk scene. So if you say, oh, it's got something, he's got his name on it, you know there's a certain quality there. Sure, and I also think that, you know, having the band members involved as producers in the show also helped as well. But the footage that they have is is incredible. And, of course, it makes sense when you think about the dead and their history and, you know, the, the people recording tapes at shows. Um, like, the documentary film footage is extensive. I mean, it really is. It really is fantastic. And as I say, what what makes it or takes it beyond the typical music doc is the cultural piece and the tie into history um you know and the tie into well-known historical figures and writers and movements and things like that which were you know the dread was the dead was you know in the middle of so when we think of the term acid rock i mean this is where it came from it came from the grateful dead and them playing at the acid tests um, being run by ken kesey and intended by timothy leary and so there's a there's a science element there's a culture element there's a, a religious element to the whole the whole show so anyway i think it's absolutely fabulous it's a much must watch documentary if you like music docs i think this may be one of the best ever for sure one i enjoyed um that i think many people have seen but if you haven't seen it uh, is Echo in the Canyon, the um, the story of Laurel Canyon and how the music uh, happened out there uh, from, you know, I think in this point they talk around 64 to 67. It doesn't cover everybody, but it it covers a lot of the people out there from the uh, the birds to the beach boys, the monkeys, um, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and all sorts of people. Um, are spoken to throughout the documentary. Eric Clapton, David Crosby, Graham Nash, uh, Beck, Fiona Apple, and Jackson Brown. And then it's it's directed by and uh, hosted by Jackson, sorry, Jacob Dylan, who performs live versions of the songs, often with people like Beck and Fiona Apple. I, th I thought it was generally a very interesting and uh, fun documentary. Yeah, I agree. I, I saw it too, and I thought it was excellent. Anything else you like? Um, I, a couple of films. Now, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them on a on a must watch list. But again, you know, as content, 
um, becomes more and more limited. And, and I was reading an article recently on Netflix, and of course they've financially done extraordinarily well during the pandemic. But what's happening is is the running out of content or what they call tier one content. I mean, these would be the blockbuster films that we see in the movie theaters or used to see in the movie theaters. Um, so now we're into sort of this, you know, second tier level of, of content that's starting to appear. So on that note, I did see two films that I think are worth a watch and a mention. One is called Arkansas, which was a film that was actually released in 2020. Because of the pandemic, it didn't have a theater release. It was directed by Clark Duke, and it was his first, uh, or his directorial debut. And it stars Liam Hemsworth, uh, Michael Kenneth Williams, Vicara Fox, uh, John Malkovich, and Vince Vaughn. And it was a neat and quirky little film about um, the Dixie Mafia, I guess, um, in in the United States. It 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 sort of took this whole mafia theme down to a very um, sort of backwoods um, um, kind of level. It was amusing, funny. It was a it was an interesting story. Um, because in, in the context of this little group of people who are all drug dealers um, in Arkansas and in the United States who never really know each other because the head of the gang, um, played by Vince Vaughn, um, never lets his uh, never lets anybody come in contact with him. So it, it's kind of a comedy of errors where you have two, um, oh, I guess, country drug dealers who find themselves in a situation working for a, a, a person called the Frog who they've never met. Um, and there's a series of events that happen and the business sort of keeps running, but nobody really knows who's running the business or who's working for who. So it was an interesting film, Tarantino-like, um, perhaps not as sophisticated, but worth a watch. I, I, I found it enjoyable. And the second one, it's called Animal Factory, a film that was produced in 2000. It's uh, called a crime drama, again, directed by Steve Buscemi and stars Willem Dafoe, Edward Furlong, Danny Trejo, John Hurd, Mickey Rourke, Tom Arnold, and Seymour Castles. So a very interesting cast. Um, it's a story about a young middle-class uh, uh, drug pot dealer who gets thrown into prison and um, he's taken under the wing of a hardened criminal played by Willem Dafoe who kind of teaches him the rope and ropes and protects him within prison. So Willem, Willem Dafoe has been in prison for a long time and to the point where he basically runs the prison from inside. So it's, it's kind of a relationship story. There's some really great acting. I mean, Willem Dafoe is amazing. Uh, Mickey Rourke is absolutely hilarious. Um, and, uh, it, you know, worth a watch. I wouldn't say it's a stellar film, but if you've got nothing else to watch and you want to see an interesting film with some pretty well-known actors uh, and some really good performances, I would, I would recommend watching Animal Factory. Perfect. Well, those are our recommendations for what we're watching. So we'll be back again with the next episode of The Space and, uh, and talk about what we're listening to. See you then. Okay. Okay.